Jersey is the world. Hi, everybody, and welcome to New Jersey is the world. My name is Chris Gethard, and I'm lucky to be your host. I will tell you first things first. Much love to Uncle Floyd. We've talked a lot about him as a real iconic figure from our childhood. Word just came out that his health is not great. And we want to send all our love to Uncle Floyd. Even though we've never interviewed the guy or involved him in the show, he is weirdly a big part of it. And I want to send all the love out there to Uncle Floyd. I have to personally thank everybody who's been buying up the tickets for my New Jersey is the World Tour, where I'm doing 21 shows in 21 different counties in New Jersey. We've announced the first 10, and I have to say, I'm so delighted and so flattered. Cape May has sold out. Booton has sold out. Montclair sold out. Union sold out. Jersey City sold out. It's so nice of you. And as of this recording, there's only a very small handful of tickets left in Highland Park and Lenoka Harbor and Hamilton. And then there's a bunch of tickets left for Flemington and Patterson. And you can get tickets for all of those at chrisgeth.com. And I just want to call something out. I'm not trying to get on a soapbox too much. I will say I got a feeling that Patterson is moving a little slower because some of the people in the surrounding area get nervous about going to Patterson. And I want to tell you that Patterson's pretty great. That one's going to have Nick Fierro of Talking Totoa and music by John Kaz, who is a true Jersey character. It's going to be a fantastic show. Probably going to go early, go to the Great Falls, and then go get some food over at Dr. Fruit, which is a really great place. And maybe, maybe I'll announce the times I when I'm doing all that, because we got to sell out that Patterson show in particular. All of these shows are important to me. But that Patterson one, it's a special city to me. And those tickets are slow, and I can't help but think there's some nerves. Don't be nervous about Patterson. Patterson's great. Feel so lucky um, to put this out. As you're listening to this, I want to let you know that I am on vacation camping in some state parks around New Jersey with my family. Recording this on Friday. You're hearing this on Monday, probably. And uh, I'm out in the woods and I'm enjoying it. Enjoying this place known as New Jersey. I promise you that. You know who else likes to get out there into the weird corners of New Jersey? The guy I interviewed in this week's episode. His name's Wheeler Antabanez. That is his pen name. The guy who I've known about for many, many years because he used to run a website about the abandoned mental hospital up in the Caldwell Verona border. And, uh, used to put up a lot of great photographs of it, a lot of writing about it, and he was sort of an infamous character around Essex County for a long while there. I would say he still is, but less infamous and more uh, just well-known as an artist. He's put out multiple books. You're going to hear all about them. A lot of them where he goes and he takes photos of places that a lot of us just are never going to go. He famously put out uh, an issue, a special edition issue of Weird New Jersey called Nightshade on the Passaic, about his travels up and down the Passaic River. And he's put out now two books about abandoned rail lines in New Jersey. Really great books. And he's just, in general, a New Jersey character. And, and I've always given Wheeler credit. I've gotten to know him over the years. Not super well, but we're both part of... I would say, you know, there's the there's like a family vibe to Weird New Jersey where every couple of years, Mark and Mark call upon you to come return home and gather for some purpose, whether it's a, a meaningful birthday party or a Weird New Jersey event, and they say, we want all the family back. He and I are both in that ring of family, and we get to catch up. And he's just a guy who is... I've always been impressed by Wheeler in the sense that there's certain things that everybody else turns their heads from. And he not only looks at them, he runs straight to them. And because of that, the rest of us get a close-up look at them. It's a really cool way to live life as an artist, as a creative person. And I really admire him. And I'm happy you get to hear this interview. Thanks so much, everybody. Let's sell out the rest of those shows. And we're going to be announcing the next 10 coming really soon. And that's going to include the tougher counties, Cumberland, Gloucester, Salem, Sussex, Sussex and Warren. Those are, those are the ones that I think are going to be a little harder to sell out. So I'm hoping everybody gets ready. So I'm trying to come meet you where you're at on this tour. Anyway, much love. Long live Uncle Floyd. Long live Wheeler and Tabanez.
Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Welcome, as always, to New Jersey is the World. And this is an interview that, dare I say it, it's special to me. Um, A lot of people who listen to the show know that part of my fierce dedication to New Jersey was that from the age of 19 to about 24, I worked full-time at Weird New Jersey Magazine. And then for many years afterwards, I would contribute things and kind of work on and off for them. And that it wins me tons of credibility points all over this state. When I drop that, it's still, I, I worked for them 20 years ago and people are still like, oh, that changes the conversation as far as you as a Jersey guy. And we're talking today to uh, Wheeler Antabinets, who is a fellow Weird New Jersey scribe, a, a member of a small inner circle, La Familia, where every few years we'll run into each other at events where I still get the invites sometimes from um, good old Mark Moran. And it's it's a handful of us. There's probably about half a dozen people in this sort of first wave inner circle Weird New Jersey contributors outside of the Marks. And, and you and I are among them. Although it's funny, I think you got heavy with them shortly after I left. Yeah, I believe so. Um, I did my special issue, Nightshade on the Passaic, and then I worked in the office, but I think you had already moved on to some bigger and better things, some awesome stuff. Uh, and we were all really happy to watch you grow in that. You know, it was very cool. Um, and then, you know, I worked there for a while, but of course I can't really work anywhere. You know, my true <laughs> calling is like writing books and stuff. So, um, sort of like you, I moved on as well. And, but I've always kept in touch with Mark and Mark. And in fact, one of the uh, live events I just did was produced by Mark Skirman for the Bloomfield Historical Society. He's like the guy who does that. So yeah, we're New Jersey. It's, I feel like it's always going to be close if I can keep it that way, you know, and so far they've been very great. I mean, they've been so awesome, you know. The best guys, exactly what you want them to be. I want to, one point of clarification, you said I moved on to bigger and better. I will tell you, I knew when I quit, I was like, man, why did I have to get this job when I was 19? I knew it. I was like, if I got this job when I was 25 or 26, I'd do this until the day I died. But unfortunately, I just still had this fucking chip on my shoulder where I had to go out and and I felt like I had to prove, like if I had a chance to prove I could do comedy, I needed to do it. But I remember having a heart to heart with my brother of like, he was like, I think Weird New Jersey is the shit. I don't think you should leave. The great thing is, is that they're still there. So even though we we have left and we've moved on, it's like we can always go back. It's like that home you can always go back to, Mark and Mark, you know, weird New Jersey. I've always said to a lot of the choices I've made in my career seemed counterintuitive or sort of insane. And I've always given a lot of credit. Seeing those guys make that magazine, the success that they made it, made me understand Oh, you can have an idea that seems unlikely succeed. You just have to put in way more. Working out of one of Mark Moran's spare bedrooms before they even had an office, I was like, oh, that's how this worked. You can make a magazine about haunted trees in New Jersey really successful if you work 10 times harder than anyone knows you're working and you're the person dotting every I and crossing every T and being accountable for it, building a community at the same time, all this stuff. And it shows up in my work to this day. And I feel like it shows up in your work. So I want to make sure before we even go down that nostalgia road, tell us about the books, tell us about the speaking tour. These, I love that you've put out the books and now you're also, it's not just the Bloomfield Library, it's Silver Stream Studios and Montclair, a space that I've been hanging out at as well, doing comedy. I want to fill our readers in on uh, walking the old Booten line, walking the Nork branch, which are sort of companion pieces you've done in the past couple of years, and the and the public appearances surrounding them. Okay, yeah. So in 2020, um, both my parents died, which was wow. like horrible, and and all my pets died too around the oh, same time. I'm so like, sorry. Thank you. Yeah, it was like a really tragic year. It was it was horrible. So I just had to get out of the house, but obviously there was COVID restrictions. Everything was on lockdown. So I knew of these railroad tracks that I had been walking for you know decades by my house in Montclair. And so I just hopped on the tracks and just started walking, getting my head straight. And it was great. It was very therapeutic. I started taking tons of pictures, tons of video. Uh, and then it just turned into something more. It turned into these books about the rail lines. What happened was, is I started reading articles in the paper that they were saying they were going to make a greenway, the Essex Hudson Greenway 
and I was like, hmm, I wonder if those are the same tracks I'm walking on. And I looked it up, and sure enough, they were the exact same tracks I had been on. So I was like, okay, if they're going to tear these tracks up and make some sort of green way about it, like I better just document what's here now while I still can. So I walked all the way from Montclair to Jersey City on the tracks. It was absolutely amazing. I did a thing about it on my website, and some people were like, oh, dude, you should walk the North Branch. So I went out and I did that, and it was absolutely amazing. They're kind of like sister tracks. They both start in Kearney Marsh. Or at least the North Branch starts in Kearney Marsh as it branches off the old Booten line. So I made a book and a movie about the North Branch walk, and then I, I bought a drone, I flew over it, it was awesome. Um, and that was sort of the study that was like a sketch that I was doing to see how I wanted to do it. And then I worked on my real project, which was the old boot line. And I knew that would be kind of big because everybody's talking about it. Uh, one of the rules I have for making books is let's make a book that people are going to be interested in, you know, like that has actual like clout in the media. So I'm not just scrambling after it comes out, trying to get publicity for it. This one, there's been no problem. Everyone wants to see the footage that I collected. Um, and so, to that, when the book came out and the movie came out, the movie is available for free on YouTube and everyone wanted me to come and play the movie. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to play the movie because it is available for free on YouTube. I want to do something fresh. So I made a whole other video out of the footage and it was a 30 minute video. And the Jersey City Public Library asked me to come do a presentation. So I was like, OK, sure. You know, so it turned out to be a live narration of a video. I don't know if you've ever tried to do that, but it's like a high pressure, high stakes narration. You cannot stop. You have to keep going. And so the video is really concentrating on the geography on the train tracks of um, Montclair to Jersey City and everything in between and everything that I saw along the way. A lot of abandoned stuff, all the weird New Jersey stuff that I love. You know, that's why I was out there in the first place. Um, and so ever since then, People have been asking me to do this live presentation. Last night, I just did a live presentation for the um, the League of Women Voters in Montclair. And I mean, I've never even voted in my life before. I'm not, you know, it's like, but these, these people, they want to hear like what I have to say um, about, they want to see the footage that I have and what it looked like right before these tracks were torn up. Because it's a big deal around these parts. Um, so anyway, Silverstream Studio, which you sort of like broke ground there with your shows, he contacted me and he was like, you know, could you bring this to my space? And I was like, yes. So we, I had never done anything where we sold tickets, but we sold tickets. They were only five bucks, but still that's what kind of made it into like a show. All of a sudden it went from being a presentation into like a show and it evolved from there where it got like kind of exciting, you know? So we did two shows there that sold out and we added a third show that sold out right away. And then all these other people asked me to do this live presentation. So I basically got my own PA, I built my own podium and now I'm sort of on the road with this, um, book tour slash greenway presentation. And, uh, it's just been so much fun. You know, it's been amazing. Such a lucky thing. And I want to make sure people know, luckycigarette.com that's where people can find links to the books and links to all the information on everything you're up to and uh absolutely if anyone is out here listening to this podcast there's a lot of stuff on your website luckycigarette.com that people are going to respond to going back to these books which connect so clearly to as you mentioned nightshade on the Passaic, which was a whole a whole issue of weird new jersey that was dedicated just to your explorations on the Passaic river um, up and down it on a boat, which was just a very unique way to look at a place that we've all heard about going all the way back to where I first heard of you, which was welcome to hell.net, right? Was the old website, which was your explorations of the old Ben and Hilltop asylum up on that Verona, North Caldwell, Cedar Grove border where me and my, all my West Orange friends before I ever heard of weird New Jersey. Part of why I flipped out when I saw the magazine was because we were all sneaking up there anyway. And I've been hearing stories about that place for years. So you clearly have a whole through line to your artistic work. And it's very cool to see the turns this one has taken. So luckycigarette.com is where people need to go. I do want to ask you something that you've thought about and something that you, you know, certainly comes up in the writing itself, but these train tracks, they connect Montclair, which historically has always been, you could say like a highbrow section of New Jersey 
right. a section that people who live in the towns near it sometimes have a very love-hate relationship with the town of Montclair, right? Because there's Bloomfield Avenue and the shopping and the stores and the culture and there's places to go see bands and there's the Claridge Cinema where you can go and actually see, you know, independent independent films and not just the superhero movies and people love it. But there's also regarded Upper Montclair in particular, people say has this attitude that it's almost part of New York City. Right. Jersey City has gentrified wildly in the past handful of years. I think a lot of people, you know, 10, 15 years ago, they weren't writing articles that said the best pizza in New York is in Jersey City. Like this is the Grove Street station is now feels very Brooklyn-y in a lot of people's minds as a, as a shorthand. I don't know if that's the most fair thing to say, but it's it's a dialogue. There's something very symbolic about the fact of them trying to connect everything between those two towns by tearing out something abandoned. It's been there forever and making it pretty and nice. There's something very symbolic about this area of the state in that. And I'm sure you've thought hard about this. Well, you know, I live in Montclair and I've lived in Montclair for a long time. I grew up in West Caldwell, like you said. Um, so yeah, I would say that, you know, Montclair is kind of fancy and uh, Jersey City can be kind of fancy, but uh, I've never really like been exposed to that world. I'm on the outskirts all the time. So to me, Montclair is not the same political hotbed that it is for everybody else. I'm just like living my life here in my basement, doing my thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and then when I do go out, I'm like going to the abandoned stuff. So I'd be hopping on the tracks and, you know, in Jersey city, it's the same way. There's, there's a lot of gentrification. There's a lot of rich people and stuff. Um, but, and things are changing, but the outskirts of Jersey city are still absolutely amazing. I mean, it's incredible. And if you want to see some awesome graffiti, like check out the viaducts underneath, um, leading into the Holland tunnel. It's like some of the most amazing stuff. It rivals anything you'd find in Brooklyn or, you know, Manhattan, whatever. So I would say that, um, yes, things are changing and Montclair is certainly changing, but it's still a really cool town. You know, it I is. love living here. It's always been that place of like, oh, there's the boutique shops and there's this reputation of Upper Montclair, but it's also always been the place where you can find like, you know, the Montclair Book Center selling underground magazines that are are really, you know, uh, radical. And, and that was radical opinions. And I remember it was the place in high school and college. It was like, oh, if you're getting a new job and you need to take a P test and you need one of those things to mask it, Montclair, you're going to find some store in Montclair where you can probably... Some some place where you can buy vitamins that might also have that weird head shop vibe in the back. <laughs> I came you know, here when I was fourteen, got my first tattoo at Powerhouse. You know, I was like a little kid, <laughs> and I just they was like, "Yeah, lay down, get one." All right, yeah, uh, it's, it's a great town. You know, it's yeah, it's got all the fancy stuff and all the reputation, and everybody's like, "Oh, Stephen Colbert lives there," but it's still also got the Meat Locker and East Side Mags and. Yeah, all that as well. It's it's one of the more. It's a very very interesting place, but it's it's also very interesting to realize that realtors are starting to push Bloomfield and Clifton as the new Montclair. Hey, if you can't afford Montclair, maybe you want to think about these towns, you know. And it's 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 it feels to me like the the Greenway could almost become a physical representation of like, hey, now there's going to be parts of all these other towns that could be cool to live in too. If you're yeah, honestly, space it probably. City. It probably will. And it, I, what I think they're going to do with this is turn it into like an American dream mega mall to sort of like wildlife, <laughs> you know, um, trail. Like that's what they wanted. They don't want to just have like a nice greenway, a wildlife trail. They want to pave it and make it for bicycles and make it all fancy and do all this stuff. They want to make it the gem of New Jersey, the high line of New Jersey. You know, yeah. I have no interest in any of that stuff. My favorite part about Montclair is Tony's Brook. You know, I don't know if you ever knew about that, but we have this brook like going under the ground in Montclair. Down Lackawanna Plaza, right? Yeah. So that's where I moved when I when I first moved to Montclair in 2007. I lived at Lackawanna Plaza. That's how I would just like hop on these train tracks all the time. But also Tony's Brook ran under my apartment. So I actually like explored subterranean Montclair. So you don't believe what's under there. The cul the culverts, you know, with the water and there's like all sorts of 
strange things down there, like strange rituals and like weird spray paint and like not normal stuff. Like everyone thinks of Montclair in a certain way, but I don't think of it that way. I think of it as the underground, you know, and same, same with all the towns leading up to Jersey city. Like my favorite thing to do um, is just to find the weird stuff along the way. That's always been the draw for this stuff. So, this is sort of a very adult conversation we're having about these towns and taxes and politics. You know, I don't usually like do that, but now that I am talking about these train tracks, I sort of have to move into that adult world and talk to people. Like I talked to the women's voter league last (laughs) night. Like it was so out of my depth as far as like the things they wanted to know. They're like, so, you know, asking logistics, I'm like, dude, I'm just the guy who walks on the train tracks. I'm like the guy who's like smoking a joint, walking down the tracks. I'm not trying to know everything about all this stuff. And in fact, fact my opinion is no matter what they do with this greenway they're basically going to ruin it because it was awesome before it was already a greenway and now they're going to take it and make it into some sort of artificial experience or like all-inclusive experience you know my main concern was for the deer and for the fox and for all the animals that i saw along the way because as you know we live in a very densely populated area and this is the only place in montclair they have to go is this one little section of tracks that have been now ripped up so i do worry about the fate of all those creatures a lot that i saw along the way you know one thing i've always been fascinated by with you and I'm glad we're talking because we've known each other for years and we see each other at all the weird New Jersey stuff. We touch base online a couple times a year. We'll usually say what's up about something or another. But it's funny because you and I are both kind of like in in a way like prototypical weird New Jersey kids Yeah. to the point where we have worked for the magazine and because of that represented it on some level. But we're cut from like I'm much more of the like let's get everybody in a car and go on an adventure. You're like where's the most dangerous place? They seek out the danger. Yeah. You seek actual danger. And I want to talk, cause going back to the old days, I mean, it was the abandoned asylum and not just that. Like I remember, cause I've been hearing about it for years, started going up there. And then your website was like, I'd been in some of the tunnels, but it was like, Oh no, you've been in every, every tunnel that you can still get through as a human and not die not die of oxygen deprivation or have it cave in on you. You've been in there. Yeah. The Passaic River. We all grew up, you know, kind of one of those things that happens in Jersey where you learn to laugh at the idea of it's the most polluted river in the country. And we all get this sick laugh out of it. Cause if not, we have to actually reckon with the fact that that's what it is. You're like, let's take, let's go over every inch of this goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. Let's go to, the towns that have the reputation for being in some ways you could shorthand it the safest for culture and people. And let's find the sections of them from the underground culverts of Montclair to the train tracks where they're now the whole town is built in a way to ignore their existence, right? Everything's backs is to these tracks. What is it about you? And I don't know, I don't want it to become a therapy session, but what is the, uh, what is the constant like head right into the heart of darkness? Where where's that impulse come from? You think? I think that you know my problem is is that like I never had any fear. I I really should have had fear, but I didn't. And the other thing was I really like a rush, you know. So instead of feeling fear, somehow I feel adrenaline, and like that's what I get off on, you know. I don't know. So I find myself balancing across bridges that are like falling down, and I'm looking like 75 feet into the abyss below, and just like going to the edge of the building. And when when I was little, like you know, the sanatorium, I used to go up there to the roof and just like walk around in the gutters and like climb or I don't know why I just had no fear. I, looking back on it now I've, at 46 years old, I'm like, Oh man, I don't know how I even survived this long, but yeah. um, I don't know. I was just always been an idiot. <laughs> what can I, say? I always just love getting out there and like walking to the edge and just seeing, seeing what happens. And I have had some, some pretty bad things happen. Like um, I used to do a lot of construction. I fell through a skylight, broke both my arms and stuff. Um, really came close to death that time. I actually came close to death a few times. So yeah, you know, I've been walking on the edge, but for me, that's just the only way to do it, you know? And if you really want to explore New Jersey, 
you got to push yourself a little further if you want to get to those awesome spots. Like you, anyone can go out into the Meadowlands, but if you want to go into those, uh, you know, abandoned radio stations there, you're going to have to like push yourself a little bit further. And that's just what I've been doing. It's a gradual thing, you know, gradually I go further and further and further and further. And now that I am older, I do try to like be a little bit more moderate, you know, try to like, I know that I'm not as good as I used to be. I used to be able to, like, I was like a monkey. I could climb anything. I could jump off anything. I could like tuck and roll and I'd be fine, you know, or I could get injured and then heal. Now I don't heal as fast. Now my balance isn't as good. <laughs> now I'm not as skinny as I used to be and agile, you know? So I am trying to like dial it back and concentrate more on, you know, writing the actual like art of it now. And I'm actually going into fiction. I, after my parents died, um, I went and I was cleaning out their house and I see, I had to help, the funeral home with my dad's removal because it was very busy. It was during COVID and he showed up and he like didn't have anyone to help him. So I had worked at the funeral home many years before. And this guy was actually my old boss. He's like, you're going to have to help me. I was like, okay, no problem. Let's do it. Oh, dude, that's anyway, therapy to unwrap that experience. It was wild. So, but it was good. It was also very good. You know, it was okay. It was cathartic. I was there for my dad, all that. So, you know, we took him out, we put him on the stretcher, we brought him in the hearse, took him to the funeral home, all that. My mom had just died two weeks before. Oh, so yeah, it was crazy time. So anyway, I'm cleaning out the house and I find uh, these notebooks that my mom had in the kitchen. There were, and she had written a couple things in like the first few pages, but they were pretty much empty. So I took them home to my house and just all this emotion that was going through me, I just started writing and I wrote for two months straight. It didn't stop. My hand was like cramped like this. And I ended up writing this book, uh, 50,000 words called The Cemetery Clown. And it's just all about the funeral home business in North Jersey centered around this like clown in the, in the graveyard, you know, I don't know where it came from. I don't know how it happened, but that's like, it became my focus now. And I'm like, okay, I am taking this right to Hollywood. I'm going to make this a book. This is going to be a movie. I like, I, I'm not going to let anything stop me from doing this because this was like the biggest gift of my life to get this book out of nowhere, you know? Um, and it's like the best thing I've, I think I've ever written. So, um, I'm trying to concentrate on that and not go out and take these big risks right now because I do want to like finish this. And then after that, I have my Passaic river book, um, that I worked on for, I've been working on for like a decade and that's like two years on the Passaic river at Raps Boatyard, just patrolling the river in my speedboat. So I have those two books coming up. If those books don't work out, I'm quitting. I'm going to go do something else, you know? Um, but I think they're going to do really good because I don't know. I, it's just exciting. Like I never felt so excited about something in my life as I do about the cemetery clown book. Uh, so it's really cool. It's just really awesome. I often threaten to quit as well. And every time I say it, I mean it, but from the outside, I can say, I, I feel like you have always struck me as one of those people where, there, you're always going to find that next drive. You're always, I don't know if the, that day will ever come for us because I think in our own ways, one of the things where our Venn diagrams cross off is going back to the weird New Jersey days of like, eh, there's a whole algorithm. And I think you and I are people who like to see what works outside of that algorithm. So I, I will say, I don't buy that you'd ever quit because there's going to be some other adventure to be had. I'd probably I die before it. I quit, <laughs> you know? Yes, That's more yes. like, yeah, Mark and Mark taught us how to do that. They taught us how to do something from the ground up with no help from anybody else, no outside media influences except for like the journalists that are interested in it, you know, and then to never give up, never quit and never sell out. And that's how I feel about all my nonfiction stuff like that parallels Weird New Jersey. I don't want to sell out with that. I don't want to try to get big doing this Booten Line book or my Passaic River books. I want that to be for my New Jersey people. But I do need something to keep me going, you know? And that's why this uh, Cemetery Clown novel was such a gift because I'm like, okay, I think fiction can be more than just people in New Jersey. Fiction can go out and, you know, it can be a movie. It can, it can be a book that's sold to people all over the place. So I am hoping to branch out a little bit but then and then bring it back to new jersey and do my thing i just need like a little bit of funding or something it's hard to do this on the yeah, shoestring yeah, of course it's, like i've tried to quit so many times i can't but at the same time i'm like scratching my way up from the underground you know what i mean i hear you i, I do feel that when that inspiration strikes and you're writing fiction and you're going oh this might have broad appeal i say this with nothing but love it, 
that must be a hugely gratifying feeling to go, this will have broader appeal than a very fascinating book, admittedly fascinating book about an abandoned train track in a few counties in North Jersey. Like that, that does, that is a harder sell to sell to somebody in Delaware or Kansas or California. Exactly. And I get that. I get that. And I've always concentrated on New Jersey. Like I rarely leave New Jersey, you know? I mean, I think one of the best parts about living in New Jersey is our proximity to New York. Obviously, that's a huge bonus. And I love New York, especially New York of like my childhood, our childhood. Um, I don't go there that much anymore. I used to go there a lot when I worked for the Amazing Kreskin a couple of years ago. I don't know. Do you know Kreskin? I know who he is. I didn't know you worked for him. Yeah, I was his road manager. Um, and like, Oh, that's wild. Yeah, I used to do PR for him a long time ago. Um, and then I was his road manager, and we traveled all over the place, man, you know, flying around with Kreskin, doing, putting on his shows and uh, producing <laughs> them. And that's actually how I learned how to do this, um, the whole thing with the events, you know, because I was just setting up for him for so long. And I learned a lot working for the amazing Kreskin. It was amazing. For any... Any listener, I think most of our listeners will know, but if anybody's trying to place it, um, the amazing Kreskin was an entertainer, a, a mentalist. He still I think. is. He's, he's yeah. still a mentalist, I think you could say, is fair. And uh, yeah, really the big. foremost mentalist. And really name. big with like Johnny Carson. Like a, a big part of the lineage of the Johnny Carson show was, was the amazing Kreskin's appearances on that. Uh, but he's been going forever. But yeah, he's one of these guys who'll like bend spoons with his mind and stuff like that. And yeah. Wild stuff. Yeah, it's fun. I, I learned how to do all this stuff. I learned how to do PR. I learned how to do um, set up shows and sound stuff, everything, you know? And I've been able to take everything I learned there and apply it to my own stuff now, which is really cool. It's kind of a bonus, you know? Um, that, was, that was wild. We went all sorts of places, Canada, Florida, all over. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome traveling with him. How does one even get linked up with the amazing Kreskin? Well, you know, he was in North Caldwell and I, I grew up in West Caldwell. He was just a couple blocks from me. So I actually knew Kreskin my entire life. And then when I worked for the PR firm when I was young, um, he was our client. You know, I worked actually for one of the, what is now one of the biggest PR firms in New Jersey. But it would, when we started, it was just me and this other guy. I helped this guy grow this PR firm and my sole client was Kreskin and I got him all on so many different shows. I got him on the David Letterman show and we went, we rode to the David Letterman show in a, in a uh, limousine, you know, and we were in the green room and we saw um, grandpa Munster and just like, I met so many famous people working for Kreskin. It was a lot of fun. You know, I watched him get into his argument with Kathleen Turner one time in the green room. It was like one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. It was great. Um, just, you know, a lot of fun, sort of a parallel to the weird New Jersey stuff, you know, because he, he did stuff with them, with Mark and Mark a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was good. You know, all that stuff ties together, just like the train tracks and the Passaic River tie together for me. It's, it's all like, you know, intertwined, clumped in. That's the beauty of New Jersey. That's what I love about living here. I don't know what I would do somewhere else because my entire network is here. I rely on it completely. So, um it, but it would be good to branch out because, you know, it's great to be underground. It's very cool. I love it. But I think I'm ready to, like, stick my head up a little higher and say, hey, I got something here for you, you know? Yeah. And the good news is I'm living proof. You can always come back, too. Like, I went. I felt like I had the chip on my shoulder. I went, did the TV thing, had a lot of fun with it, started to build to a point where it felt like it was not in my control anymore. And that was the punk rock kid in me and the, and the weird New Jersey in me. And I was like, yeah, this thing has my name on it. And I control is being taken away from me. Mm -hmm. I had that instinct of just like, Ooh, you were right. Yeah. You got to do what you got to do for yeah. you. You want to keep your name. Definitely. I heard what you were talking about with Brian Fallon, how you were sitting in that diner and somebody saw you and like Taking, posted it yeah. up and I was like, too much. That is the time to pull back right there. Cause I don't want anything like that. You know what I mean? Got to figure out how to be more of a behind the scenes guy at this point. But I feel like, uh, you could go, you could clown in the cemetery could become a movie and you have more than earned your bona fides where you can always come back to Essex County and nobody's going to bother you. You could go to Tierney's Tavern and nobody, and people are just going to pat you on the back and nobody's going to give you a hard time because I think you've earned it as much oh, as anybody else in this damn state. 
you know, I miss Tierney's. I haven't drank in almost 12 years. So it's like, and actually my last drink was at Tierney's. And I, my I, last drink was at Tierney's too, really? 20 something years ago. Yeah. Okay. Or no, uh, one of my last drinks was at Tierney's. Yeah. But I, I went back about a year ago. I don't, I also don't eat meat anymore, but I miss mm-hmm. their burgers. But I still oh, went back right. and it's the most. <laughs> dude, I went back and had some of their bar food and it was still good. Yeah. Even, even not drinking Tierney's is a great bar. I live right down the street from there, actually. So yeah, I like I had my last drink there. Went home and puked it up, and I was like, "Dude, I just can't drink anymore." You know? Yeah. Thankfully, I haven't. So it's it's been a huge weight off my shoulders. None of the stuff that I've done in the past decade would I have been able to do if I was still drinking. In fact, I wouldn't even still be alive. I know it. So uh, it's been awesome to not drink. Same here. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Also, I think probably both of us who are people who like adrenaline and like our own version of finding situations that give us that dopamine that probably ties in too right like there's but to bend it towards something creative and towards you know running into harm's way but then documenting it in a way where you can build books and presentations and start to create conversations and communities around it. I think that's a much better use of, of effort and time and energy. I was like, I can either drink or I can do everything else. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do everything else because I don't want to be a drunk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, So it's been great to not drink. It's, I still smoke weed and everything, but you know, to (laughs) get rid of alcohol, that was just like this poison in my body. Yeah. Some people can do both and God bless them. Hey, and that's great. But, can, uh, it's awesome. You know, oh, live it. I mean, Mark and Mark, they, en- they enjoy a good brew as much as anybody I know, but they, they still do. get shit done. I couldn't get shit done when I was drinking. That was the problem. No, <laughs> me neither, man. You're too busy cry- crying in the Jersey back in the day. I found out about weird New Jersey. I was, um, so I grew up right in the, there's a little pocket where West orange, orange and Montclair all kind of smashed together. And I grew up in West orange right there. So we were close enough that we would walk into Montclair, ride our bikes into Montclair, and we'd go mostly to this little record store called Let It Rock. Yeah, Let It Rock, of course. Punk Rock 7 Inches and albums, and it was a great place. And then there was a comic book store called Middle Earth. Yep. And I used to go to Middle Earth. And eventually I stopped going to Middle Earth because my dad came with me one time, and Middle Earth was cool. It had a bunch of that like R. Crumb, older, like comics with an X type stuff. And my dad came in with me once and he saw all that stuff there. And I didn't care. That was the thing. I was little. I was just trying to, it was the nineties. I was trying to buy X-Force and, you know, nine variant covers of X-Men comics and Spider-Man. But he saw all that stuff and was like, this place is weird. Yeah. So he, he started saying, listen, I know you love comic books. How about every couple of weeks I drive you to Time Warp? And he, mm-hmm. Time Warp felt much more comfortable to have a kid in. Also a great store. Rest yeah. in peace to the, the you know, founder of it. Um, but point being, I went to middle earth once, probably my dad was working too hard and not bringing me to time warp and I was getting tired. I'm like, I'm going to miss an issue. So I snuck into Montclair, went to middle earth and in the window, they had issues eight and nine of weird New Jersey sitting in the window and issue nine had the bright orange masthead and the picture of the devil face from, we called it the bin, you know, the hilltop people had different names for that that facility but i saw it and it's you know that picture with the devil face spray painted on the wall with the crumbling paint mm-hmm. i think it had the welcome to hell on the cover right welcome to hell on the steps yeah i have that issue i have to go back and look at it but yeah, uh, yeah I, I know exactly what you're talking about dude i i froze in my tracks i saw issue eight and issue nine which looking back on it those were the first two that were, they were actually trying to distribute it into stores. One through seven, it was a very underground fanzine. And then it was, you know, try to break out. So I got in pretty early on it and then uh, just lost my mind. And my, my older brother had been really into the book Roadside America, which is about kind of like weird roadside stuff and kitsch and stuff like that. And I remember instantly feeling like, man, someone's making a magazine about the abandoned mental hospital that we already all talk about. I'm like, I wonder if they talk about Monk's Castle too, you know, like right away I'm, I'm thinking that. And then bought both issues, eight and nine, and just devoured them and was like, this is my thing. This That's is my awesome. thing. Yeah. And then pretty quickly started sending in letters because West Orange had an interesting thing, which was uh, on Main Street in my old neighborhood. There's this building called the New Llewellyn Hotel, mm. which um, 
when the state shut down a lot of the old school mental hospitals, there were some people who didn't have any place to go and they'd, they'd put them up in places. And one of these places, this place, the new Llewellyn hotel was no longer a hotel. Like you couldn't rent a room there for the night. It was just a boarding house for a lot of looking back on it tragically unwell people. Mm -hmm. But in the eighties and nineties, we weren't enlightened and thinking like that. We were just like, why is there? Cause basically all these people would just sit on the front steps of that place or just wander around the neighborhood all day. So there was like a guy who used to dress as Elvis and push a lawnmower around and a guy who used to throw pennies on the ground and he'd run up and yell at the pennies. And we all called him penny man. Yeah. I started writing in letters um, right away and they started publishing some of them. And then I remember I went to a, a signing they did it at the Montclair book center hmm. and I went up and introduced myself and they were like, you're a kid. <laughs> you're like, Cause I was like, I was still in high school and I was also a real late bloomer. Right. They were like, you're a child. Oh no, we've been publishing <laughs> stuff from a child. I was slightly older than they thought I was upon first glance, but Funny. how about you? Oh, okay. I was working in the funeral home and uh, it was like, I was probably 18 years old. And one of the guys I worked with, one of the other porters, well, we were like at a funeral, we were dressed in suits and he was like, Hey, after the funeral, I got to show you something. And he like showed me the first three, um, the newsletter just stapled together, you know, the oh, first year. Wow. Just came out. And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. And the lady who we worked with there, she was like, let's take it upstairs. We'll photocopy it. So we, we took it upstairs. We took the staple out and we made bootlegs of, you know, weird New Jersey's. And I had that for years. And then, um, I started buying them, you know, from the Montclair book center as well. And then, you know, as I got this sort of like collection over the years, I, actually contacted them about or maybe they contacted me i can't remember about my stuff um up at the sanatorium you know the welcome to hell stuff i was doing and they just especially moran he really gravitated towards it and he had me like come over his house and we were i was doing some web work for him you know stuff like that and we just struck up a friendship um over time and then i obviously i stayed a fan and i i didn't write any anything for them for the longest time, even though I was doing books and writing. And then I started, uh, I just mentioned to Moran that I was doing like a lot of canoeing on the Passaic river in my, uh, canoe called nightshade. And he was like, Oh, that would be a great article for weird New Jersey. And I was like, yeah, that would be, I was like, actually what I'm going to do though, is I'm going to write a book about it. And then Mark Skirman chimed in and he was like, how about a special issue? And I was, and that's how nightshade on the Passaic happened. And then once they, they did that, like I signed a contract with them and everything it was like a good book deal. And I just devoted myself a hundred percent for the next two years, just or however long it was just making that book, exploring the Passaic river. That was like one part of it. And I, and I went to every single place I could. I had like a motor for my canoe so I could cover some good ground. It was like kind of having like a moped for the river. You know, it wasn't really fast, but it was, wasn't really slow either. It was perfect. And I explored the entire river, found some amazing abandoned buildings on the bank. Some of them, which aren't there anymore more and documented the whole thing for nightshade on the Passaic. And then, you know, that came out and it, it just really struck a chord with people. I don't know. People loved nightshade on the Passaic. It was, it was great. It was like my big break that I had been hoping for with writing. And then ever since then, like everything is basically built off of that, you know, and everything yeah. I've done nonfiction wise just runs parallel with weird New Jersey always, you know, I, I feel like nightshade, I remember when you, because you know there were articles coming out in Weird New Jersey, kind of uh, in the in the issues, kind of giving people a heads up to what was coming and what you were doing. And I remember reading those, and I was like, "This is cool. This is cool." And then the issue came out, and it's one of the things that I really love about that issue and about the books about the train lines. And, you know, you were very kind. You asked me to give a quote for the jacket and and I said something along these lines, but one of the things I've always appreciated about you is there's one side of weird New Jersey, which is like, okay, we're the suburb kids. We're going to drive all the way out to Clinton road, which feels like mm-hmm. if you grow up in Essex County, that feels like wilderness, you know, and it's not, it's a functioning town, but it feels like it. And there's the funny side of weird New Jersey and there's, that, but then there's this other side that I think a lot of your stuff has been some of the high watermarks of the entire run of Weird New Jersey. And I don't say that lightly because what you do is so you know how we're the most densely populated part of the country? 
hidden in the center of that is a lot of stuff that people like to ignore and turn a blind eye to and pretend it doesn't even exist, where the actual infrastructure is built for you to never notice it, and where there's signs that tell you to keep out, and there's rumors about how dangerous it is, that's the stuff that I will put on literal like fishing waders and go waist deep into it and take pictures of it. That's, I think, the stuff that you're probably the best at, which, you know, I say this with love. There's parts of me that read it and I go, that you got to be a maniac. <laughs> you got to be a maniac to do some of this stuff. Whereas for me, I look back, I go, some of my best stuff was looking back. I don't even know. You know, I haven't reread all my old articles, but I feel like I was very good at going, look at how fucked up the lack of rules in infrastructure are. Like, I'm right next to the Willowbrook Mall and I just got chased by a guy who threatened to rape me in a pickup truck. Like that was next to the Willowbrook Mall, everybody. There's no rules, you know? Yeah. Like Button a, ones, lot, baby. a lot of places will write like the food reviews, but I want to go to the hot dog place. I'm gonna write the hot dog reviews, and it's not just how the hot dogs taste, it's also like which place has the weirdest shit hanging on the walls, which place has the strangest people working at it, which are the places that yell at you, and that's part of the I was part of it. I felt like that was me at Weird New Jersey in my day. The stuff I was at when I was at my best was like, hey, everybody, the rules don't apply. They're all just suggestions. Look at this. You were like, hey, there's probably like a pit somewhere near you, and I'm going to climb into that pit <laughs> and straight up. It's dangerous and it's right there, and parents don't even want their kids to know it exists, and I got pictures of it. And that stuff is very addictive. It's very addictive, and you're very, very good at it. Yeah, well, I would say that I am pretty good at it only because I managed to stay alive. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? That's my true. indicator of my skill level. But um, my favorite thing to do, yeah, is to penetrate these places that nobody would ever, ever go and then just write about it. You know, and like, because yeah. that's where it's like if you're going to take pictures of stuff, Anybody could take pictures of anything, but you might as well take pictures of something really highly interesting if you're going to take pictures. So I try to go to the highly interesting places. You know, it's very simple. And same with writing. I just want to tell like the story of New Jersey Underground. So you got to go underground to get it, you know. But that story with Buttonwoods, with the Beast of Buttonwoods, I've been in his house. Uh, you know, I've been like through his whole house after, after he, he died. died. Oh, yeah, definitely. Dude, I never heard this. Yeah, in fact, in Nightshade, I got pictures inside of his house and oh, everything. Oh, of course. I, I remember you went by there in Nightshade. And I have more that no one's ever seen, too. It's just his toilet, like, overflowing with crap still, you know? Like, um, just, like, his whole house, it, it was disgusting in there, you know? And they had actually cleaned it up first. But, yeah, that was a really great story. Classic Weird New Jersey of you and uh, Mark Moran and almost getting Ooh. raped by the monster of Buttonwood. That was a I bad day. Your little Chris, like, up against this giant seven-foot monster, you know? Dude, and uh, it's one of those things, too, where we're all exaggerators. And Weird New Jersey, one of the things I love the most about it is – I think they've actually over the years changed philosophies on this a little bit, but like nobody's looking to get the truth in the way of a good story, you know? And not. we all know you go to any bar or diner in New Jersey, people start telling tall tales and it's accepted. There's 30% exaggeration in here. It's fun. So there's a part of me, like as soon as we published it, where I was like, cause we wrote it that day. We got home. Mark was like, write all that down right now. <laughs> and there was always a part of me that was like, man, was that unfair? Did I exaggerate too much? Is that unfair to this guy? And then the letters we started getting, I was like, oh, oh yeah, no. Schultz, he was nuts. I mean, oh, he was, he was like, nuts. Cooking, like turkeys and you know, all this crazy, insane stuff. Yeah. He was chasing people off his property. No, they, uh, you we were getting letters from cops. Typical, actually, of him. I, oh, it was, it was not even the worst of it. It was, exactly. we got some letters from people that were like, oh, yeah, he chased me the wrong way on Route 46 and, and, and all, you know, cops yep. saying like, we've had to arrest him and he breaks the handcuffs because he's so big and mm -hmm. just start to realize, okay, okay. And then of course, famously when he died, we were contacted by a cop who told us that he like completely loved reading about himself in Weird New Jersey, that he, he got a kick out of it. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. thank God. Cause I was always scared he was going to, you know, look in the phone book and go to my parents' house and <laughs> oh, threaten dude. my dad. Oh. <laughs> I always had that fear, man, because we oh, were living man. in my family was in Fairfield at that time. It was not far from Two Bridges yeah. Road, you know? Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah, man. Um, 
But yeah. like, you know, doing that stuff now and like when I work with Kraskin, uh, we used to go to this like horror con and with all these different cons. That was part of the job. I hated that stuff, but it was interesting to meet all these like celebrities. And one of the things that really stuck with me is like, here's these people that have done something in the past. And now they can live off that for the rest of their lives just by doing this, you know, going to these like different events and whatever and being celebrities, whatever. But so you have these things in your life in the past that you can just like sort of just go back to now and you can never change them and they're always going to be there. And it's like, it defines who you are today. I love that. It's so cool, you know? And that Buttonwood story is like the perfect definition of that. And for me, it's like nightshade. I I can always go back to that. And and like, whenever I meet people, instead of giving them a business card, I just give them a copy of nightshade. I'm like, you want to know who I am? Here you go, man. (laughs) It's 80 pages of of this is what I do. And I I never stop doing it, you know? I love it. And it's, um, it's one of those things I love about this state, which is, and I'm sure this is true elsewhere, but here, maybe it's because we're so densely packed together, or maybe it is just something in the culture. It's like, there is a vibe in this state that I think you run into and that I run into because of these experiences, because those things do kind of get woven into your DNA. But then it's like, I find that very often I'll find somebody who seems like they're very straight laced and they're running a store and then you get to talking to them and you're like, Oh no, you also Mm -hmm. have, have seen outside kind of the boundaries. The culture here is great because you can add to it. You know, a lot of places, the culture is already defined, but in New Jersey, it's always evolving and you can always like contribute. And that's actually one of the great things about weird New Jersey is they've created this forum for just anybody to contribute. And like, they're all inclusive. They don't, like put anybody aside, you know what I mean? Oh. It's fantastic. I mean, I've gone through my whole life and you may find something similar with you. I don't fit in anywhere. No matter where oh. I go, I don't fit in. I can, I can, it's a very weird thing with me. I'm like, I can kind of hang anywhere and I don't feel like I fit in anywhere. Like exactly. I can hang, I can go, I can go be with the punk rockers and hang at the punk rock show. I fit there, but I'm not totally one of them. I can go into the city and be with the comedians. Eh, they accept me. I do my thing. I earn my stripes, but I am not one of them necessarily. And I feel like there are there's this sort of culture of like people who are sort of wanderers in Jersey, and uh, and I class myself among them, and, and I, I see it in you as well. And it, but it's it's also joyous to all of also cross over and find each other, and and uh, and yeah, I just love every time we get to talk. That's actually what I love doing these live events because I go out, I do all these solo missions into the world. I sit in my basement. I write about it all by myself. And so to go out and to talk to people, it's almost like, oh yeah, I do like people. Like I forgot. I actually like, like people, you know what I mean? I forgot that I'm actually a part of society because I spend so much time just like solitary. Um, And last night um, I was speaking to this really awesome crowd, this, uh, the women voters, but in the back there was like this one punk rock kid and his girlfriend he came in with the skateboard and uh, he asked a question about the graffiti and i was like oh they're never gonna stop us or something you know yeah, and then yeah. he came out afterwards and he like he bought my Pasig river book and it was just like it was so cool to see this one kid there you know in this group of like a lot very older people that wanted to talk about the politics of the greenway and i was like oh that's the kid that's the one in the crowd who i can really relate to you know, yeah. with the skateboard, you know, so it's just, it's cool. It's cool to reach people on that level and then, you know, see them in person and stuff. That's nice too. Cause I do, I spend so much time by myself. So, and you know, what's nice too, that I think you probably get, especially now that you're doing these live events is there's like some of these places, like everybody's seen the Passaic river, but it's, you're parking in a parking lot. And it's going by in the distance or you're driving down a highway and you cross over it on a bridge and you've kind of heard rumors about it, right? Like the abandoned train tracks, there's people who have probably taken NJ transit trains and noticed that there's other tracks nearby and they go, huh? And they clock it. And there's probably a lot of people that have a fantasy of like, oh, I'd like to go do that. I'd like, oh, there's like, I've heard about all the underground waterways in Montclair. I'm not shocked at all to hear that you're someone who actually found your way in. And when it, and there's an element with you live performing and doing all this stuff where there's probably a lot of people going, oh, cool. Someone went and actually did that. Now I get to know about it and I don't have to fucking do it. Thank God. 
you know? It was weird last night because I'm speaking in the firehouse, right? And I, I've never been to the Montclair firehouse. It's actually pretty cool. And I, I love firemen. It's, I love what they do, you know? Um, but I, it's like a very town type of thing to do. I'd never really do that. Anyway, I'm there talking to these people and I re- I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, everything I did on my old Booten line walk was absolutely 100% illegal. You know, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm walking on these train tracks that you're, it's a no trespassing zone in every single town along the way. I'm smoking weed the whole way. Oh, that's legal now, I guess. But I don't know. I just felt like yeah, everything I do is like pretty criminal. And yet if you make it into a book and a movie, all of a sudden it changes like the whole script and everyone, they don't care about that so much as they just want to see this abandoned train line that they couldn't walk on, you know, because it's illegal. So it, it was just kind of weird. Uh, I feel like as New Jersey, uh, we're New Jersey alums, we kind of have like a press pass that other people, you know, maybe don't have um, because I've never had a problem except for one time when I got arrested at Blairsden. <laughs> that, and you did too, right? Uh, I got pulled over on the way in, but my friend had a very poorly behaved dog, so they didn't actually... Uh, arrest us. The the dog started barking at the cops and they were like, get out of here. But dude, I just last, this is how fucking, I still hang on to this shit. I've never seen Blairsden. I've always been mad about it. I got close and got pulled over. Maybe two weeks ago, I was just driving down there and I was like, ooh, that's the road on the way in. And I started driving down there and I was like talking to a friend of mine and I'm like, I don't know, man. Like I'm a 43 year old dad. I volunteer for my local first aid squad now. Like they'll probably just kick me out and not arrest right. me at this point. Right. And he's like, maybe now, maybe in our forties is the time to go. In our twenties, we were like half drunk, half high kids. Targets too, for the cop. They see like the stickers on the back of your car and they're like, Oh yeah. You maybe know? I'll drive up there in my thing, in my, in my car that has the, you know, I got the plate attachment that says first aid squad on it. And maybe they yeah. take it easy on me and just tell me what the fuck is wrong with you. Get out of here. You're an old man. And then once they pull you over, they probably recognize you. And they'd be like, hey, I've seen you on the office. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I don't know, but they probably got cameras all over that fucking place now. When right? I went up there, um, it was, and this is like 20, 30 years ago. I don't even know how long ago it was. I was up there with a couple of my friends. We actually made it to the place unscathed. We were at, we were going to like go in. And then my friend touched like a something. I don't know what it was, like a statue. And an alarm just started going, meh, meh. You know, and so we ran down the stairs in the back. There's this incredible staircase. We just booked down this staircase. I thought we were going to go tumbling and falling, but we didn't. And then as we're walking out like through the cow pastures, the cops rolled up on us hard. And, you know, they're just, they got nothing else to do out in Far Hills or wherever that is. And it was, it was actually crazy because we were all roommates. We lived in this house in Whippany. Uh, It was me and my three roommates and we all got $350 fines and we all had rent due like in a week. And we're like, how are we going to pay this fine and pay our (laughs) rent? Like we almost got kicked out because of that. Um, but yeah, these weird New Jersey adventures, that was the only one where I actually like had a problem, you know? Yeah. I mean, I had the guy, I had the beast of button woods threatening to violate me. I had another one with Mark Moran where a guy pointed a shotgun at me in a basement and he talked to the guy into, he, we were trespassing and the guy was mad about it. And Mark pointed out, you know, maybe you pointing a gun at this kid is is more concerning to the cops than us trespassing i had a few things along the way those were the two those were the two that reminds me of a story i was um walking on the old booten line um actually no it was a nork branch and it was when i was working on that book and i was working uh going by one of the landfills at night i was walking home and all of a sudden a shotgun got fired right over my head from the landfill. Like they clearly were giving me some sort of warning shot. I heard it go right over my head, whatever the like was in the shotgun. It was like, at that point in time, I was just like really angry. I, had, I was like going through some like shit with you know my parents just dying. I didn't even duck. <laughs> I just like kept walking, and I was like "fuck you." <laughs> I just yelled over it. You know, it was wow. it was crazy. I was in a really weird headspace at that point in time. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that just reminded me of it. That's how much shit you've done, though. Like that's how much outlandish shit you've done. That you're like, oh, I got arrested once at Blair's Den. That was the worst at. Oh, wait. Also, that time someone <laughs> fired a gun at me. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I have done some crazy things. Actually, it's not even the first time I got 
guns fired at me, I was in the Passaic River, um, just like, you know, paddling around. And then all of a sudden I hear like, boom, 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 over my head. I'm hearing like bullets going over my head and stuff. I'm like ducking down under, you know, behind the banks. And I guess they were just like target practicing or maybe hunting or whatever it was. But, and they didn't, I don't think they knew I was even there, but yeah, I was ducking bullets. (laughs) It's crazy. I'm glad you've lived to see this day and we can have this conversation. The website, Lucky Cigarette. Dot com. You can buy the books. Uh, you can buy all the stuff that Wheeler's done over the years. And on top of it, live events. People can follow you on social, I'm sure, to get updates on those. You want to plug everything? Yeah, Instagram, Wheeler underscore Antabanez, um, and LuckyCigarette.com. Also, my YouTube page, YouTube uh, Wheeler666 is my handle there. So I yeah, check it. it out. I got my movies on there for free. So if anyone wants to see the Walking the Old Booten Line or Walking the North Branch stuff or any of my Passaic River things, definitely check out my YouTube page. You can find it all for free. You're the best. I thank you for the conversation. It's uh, it's always great to catch up. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the World is Chris Gethard, Nikki Bonaduce. Don Finelli, Andrea Quinn, Carson Kopp, and Mike D. New Jersey is the World is produced and edited by Carson Kopp, Mike D., and Andrea Quinn. You can find us online at New Jersey is the World and on Instagram at New Jersey is the World. Also, please feel free to reach out and leave us a voicemail by contacting the home office of New Jersey is the World at 973 973- 780-4660 in regards to anything show or New Jersey related. Please subscribe and listen to more episodes of New Jersey is the World on your favorite podcast service. If you're looking to join our extremely opinionated and Jersey-ish community, head on over to patreon.com and search for New Jersey is the World. We have merch, which you can find at belowthecollar.com after searching for Chris Gethard. Once again, thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the world, where New Jersey is...